As a small business owner, have you ever felt overwhelmed by the pressure of choosing the right hire or leading a team? Or have you ever found yourself tolerating a bad hire because you fear trying and failing again as you repeat the hiring process? If so, you're not alone and you are in the right place. Welcome to the Growing Your Team podcast. The Growing Your Team podcast teaches business owners like you to expand your unique business by teaching you to master the hiring and team management process. Hiring and managing a team does not have to be a challenge. You just have to learn to do it right. And the Growing Your Team podcast teaches you how to become a confident leader who hires right every single time. Now, let's jump into the show where each episode, you will learn tips on how to identify what type of help you need on your team, how to source amazing candidates, how to conduct interviews that lead you to your idea team member, how to onboard successfully, and how to lead every person in your business so you have a team of rock stars who you are happy to pay every single paycheck. So let's jump in and teach you how to hire like a pro. Hello, Jamie Van Kuyk here, and welcome back to the Growing Your Team podcast. Today, I have on guest Danielle Hayden. Danielle first joined us on episode 32 of the podcast, and she's here to share more about her area of expertise, which is the numbers of your business, and share about how her business has transformed and her team has transformed since she was on the podcast back in 2020. Danielle is a reformed corporate CFO who is on a mission to help rule-breaking female entrepreneurs understand their numbers so they can gain the confidence needed to create sustainable profits. After spending 10 plus years in the boardroom as a corporate financial officer, Danielle is now in her sweet spot as the CEO of Kickstart Accounting, Inc., where she helps business owners with bookkeeping, financial analysis, and education, and is the author of the Profit Planner book series. When Danielle isn't in her money mindset, you can find her hiking or spending time with her family. A lot has changed for Danielle, as I mentioned, since she was first on the podcast. And when I heard about her transition and how she went from being in the client work day to day to now that true CEO of her business, I knew I needed to bring her back so she could share about that journey with you, what it took for her to get out of that work and to the position that she is in now, how she prepares her team and how she really prepares her clients to work with her team instead of with her. She has made this journey over these last few years that many of us hope to be in one day, that true CEO role, and not having to do the day-to-day client work that makes our business the revenue it does. Danielle is also sharing some more great information about the financials of your business 
and how to really make sure you're making the right decisions based on the stage of business and life that you are in. So we're not talking about necessarily in startup phase, growth phase, scaling phase, but talking about the stage of your business based on your goals, whether those are your business goals, your personal goals, and how the numbers of your business and where you spend your money can support that. So let's jump into the conversation and hear everything that Danielle has to offer so we can grow the businesses and the profitable businesses that we want. Hi, Danielle. Welcome back to the Growing Your Team podcast. Thank you so much for having me here. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Yes, me too. All right, before we get started, can you remind everyone who you are and what you do? Yes, um, Danielle Hayden. I am the founder and CEO of Kickstarter County, Inc. Um, We empower... Uh, service-based business owners to understand their financials using both bookkeeping and consulting. So bookkeeping is a vehicle to really helping business owners be able to use their numbers to better manage their business so that they can grow profitable, sustainable, and most importantly, enjoyable businesses. Yes, it's, that's always so important. I feel like for a lot of people, the numbers are scary, but the numbers are so, so important and they can tell you so much. And if they're not your thing, you should definitely need someone on your side that's going to help you through that. And I think even if they are your thing, like as a business owner, you're too busy to be as deep into your numbers as you need to be in order to have a successful business. I've been saying, I've been using the word stay in your lane a lot lately. And I mean it like to me, like also because I have to stay in my lane as the CEO. And so I mean that for every single one of us. If you're listening and you are running a business, it's important for you to stay in your lane. And that doesn't mean doing the bookkeeping and looking at the numbers and being head of HR. And, 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 you know, like we're trying to do everything instead of what our strengths are and then tapping into the other people who we need who are experts in, in our business. Yeah, I definitely think that is so important. Now, most of the businesses we work with at Growing Your Team have fewer than 15 employees. Yeah. Majority actually have fewer than five. So small businesses, small teams. But occasionally we do work with much larger businesses. And I think it was about two years ago now, we were working with a business that had 200 employees. And one of the things we did was help the CEO divide their roles into multiple full-time roles, not part-time roles, not fractional roles, full-time roles. And one of them being the director of finance. And they also hired a director of HR and they weren't ready to call them uh, chief financial officer and things like that. They're like, let's start with the director and then we'll bump the person up there. But it was just so eye-opening and working with this business owner, they had 200 employees and she was still holding on to these high level tasks. Like, yeah, they had someone doing the bookkeeping, but the the high level financial tasks and everything she was holding on to. She was holding on to those high level HR tasks and everything because she was too afraid to let go of that. And once we got that off her plate, she was able to more stay in her lane, do what she was good at and run the business the way that she should be running the business. Yeah, we work with a lot of business owners who are solopreneurs hiring their first five to 10 employees is usually where 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 we come in. And 
it's the same thing, right? We have a superhero uh, cape, <laughs> superhero syndrome, um, thinking that we need to do it all. And I, I think that the biggest lesson that I learned as a business owner was uh, like, we started to actually grow when I started to say, I don't know everything. Like I literally waved the right white flag, put up my hands and said, I don't need to know everything anymore. I need to hire the experts in my business. Yes, exactly. That's always one of the things we talk about is, you know, there comes a point in your business where you need to stop learning and start delegating. Yeah. Stop learning. You don't need to learn it. Yeah. People say to me, should I learn QuickBooks? I'm like, no, you should not learn QuickBooks. Not an accountant. (laughs) Yep. No, nope. Learn how to, and this is probably something you can have that good guidance for because you don't have to get too deep is learn how to know if someone presents you with the numbers that yes. you, you can tell what's going on. So you know if your your ship's going in the right direction and things like that. But yeah, get out of the details. Yeah. I think that the most important thing that we can do as business owners is learn how to take, I, I call them clarity breaks. So I really like to, to do this, like hiking on the trails or walking with the dogs. Um, but when like doesn't have to be over a heavy situation, but just on a regular basis where I'm like taking a moment to ask myself what's working and what's not working. So after somebody reviews their financial statements or um, is considering hiring and, 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 and has interviewed candidates, like take a moment for yourself to really like ask yourself, like there's no movie star, Hollywood moment, there's not going to be like the skies are parting, but we can start to take that time to ask ourselves questions because I think that's really our responsibility as a business owner. It's not going into QuickBooks, learning that, processing transactions, um, or knowing every single number in your income statement. It's really about saying, okay, I see the numbers, but now how do I use them to make business decisions? How do I use them to reflect yeah. And I think that's so important. Um, I can't remember if we talked about this the first time you came on, but I, when I was initially growing my business, those first probably, I was probably about two years in and I realized I was strangling my business because I was afraid to spend money. And oh. once I really was able to understand the numbers and understanding, like kind of even building that, that initial budget of oh, say, saying pretty much, okay, this is where the money kind of should be going when I'm making this level of money. I was then like, oh my gosh, like I'm not spending money where I should be spending money. And once I became okay with spending the money I was earning, my business really took off because I, I stopped strangling it. Can we, can we talk about this spending gap for a moment? Yes. Like- so I I think that there's so much programming from Instagram, the movies, um, TV shows that we watch. I think Instagram is the biggest culprit of it. Making fun of women for being overspenders. So we find that people fa- fall into one of four money personality types, free spender, keeper, perfectionist, or balance seeker. And Instagram has this all believing that women are all free spenders. And some of them are funny, right? Like I can, I can see the humor in it. However, I think there's a subconscious programming that's happening that we need to stop spending and save more. And so I can't tell you how often clients will get on calls and say, okay, where can I cut? Like, where should I cut money? And I'm like, how about where should you spend money? Like there are healthy percentages where 
If you're not spending enough, you are holding your business back. But we have been so programmed to think we have to save our way to wealth. We have to spend less than we're we're making instead of how do I spend my money responsibly and in the right areas so that I can grow my business. Yes. I love that you just included responsibly in there. And yeah, I'm assuming in order to spend in some areas, you might realize that you need to shift dollars, which does involve cutting back, but you're cutting back because you're putting the money where it belongs versus cutting back just to save a dollar. Yes. Yeah. Cutting back intentionally. So there are seasons in our business. So we all go through seasons and, um, I, my, my client, Jenna is my favorite client that I ever watched go through this season like the seasons as business owners. So she had come to us and she had said to me, Danielle, can you teach me how to operate my business at a loss? And I'm like, super odd request, but I'll take it. And um, we did what we call a catch up. We brought all her transactions into QuickBooks. We set everything up. And I said, Jenna, I have good news and bad news. Good news is that I don't have to teach you how to run your business at a loss because you're profitable, but because you don't know your numbers or understand this, you're taking owner's draws and commingling business and personal expenses. So you just feel like you don't have enough cash to support your business. Bad news is that you waited until November to have this conversation with me. And so you're going to pay taxes on this profit, but it's okay. (laughs) This mindset shift completely changed Jenna's business. She's like, I need to go into growth mode because I want to spend money on growing my business. She went to conferences. She traveled in-person events. um, She hired a marketing consultant operations team to service the growth of her business. I mean, she was really intentional about growing her, her, her business. And she was spending money on getting the right team in place, getting the right clients in place, right? She was so intentional for about 18 months. She came back to me and said, all right, I'm shifting. I have to be able to buy a home. I need to buy a, a home. I'm ready to put down some, some roots. So we had to shift her spending in her business to allow for her to be able to, um, to be able to pay herself again and to pay herself a little bit more so she could save to buy buy her home. Those are seasons in her business, right? Like then she wanted to to, to change that and we got to see her hit hit another another goal. So our spending habits don't always have to be how do I cut money to make more? It's how do I support what my intention and my goal is today. Yes, yes, I love that. You know, it's it's always one of those things of, you know, what do you want to do in your business? You know, some of the things we talk about um, occasionally here on the podcast is, you know, sometimes it's okay not to want to grow your business. It's okay not to want to scale your business if that's what you want. And But then if you want to grow your business or you want to scale your business, you have to be making the right decisions in order to do that. So having the right team, you know, having the right spending in place and all those things so you can reach your goals that are your goals, not what someone else is telling you to do. Absolutely. And this is a big piece of, of, of hiring is knowing when you're going to be shifting it in your business. Like this might be a season where it like you've been in, in, in growth mode. So you've been pouring all of your time and energy into the business. Maybe you're a solopreneur who is working your, your, your tail off. But as you decide that you are ready to start hiring employees, like you're ready to start building a bigger brand, knowing that, okay, I want my role to shift now. I want to maybe pick my kids up from school or be home for dinner or take care of my aging parent. I want to shift my priorities. And that's where I always tell our clients, like, it's okay 
for you to not be as profitable this year. Not all profits are created equal. So maybe this year you are investing in a team because you want to have people who are allowing you to live your life, right? have a life too. Um, and there, and there might be seasons where you're more profitable, but you're the one doing everything and you're, that's not going to energetically be able to uh, withstand the long, long-term that's not a sustainable business. Yes. You know, I love that you said that. And I think there's too often we focus on, I have to do better this year than I did last year. And the way we measure that is pretty much typically revenue. And personally, like over here at Growing Your Team, this we're, we're recording this near the end of 2023. It's going to go live early, probably 2024. And I can tell you, unless things really change over the next two months, I am not going to hit the same revenue that I hit last year. But it was because I had to take a slight step back because there was crazy things going on in my family life that I made the intentional shift to say, I cannot take on another client right now because I only have so many hours I can dedicate to my business. And with where I need to spend my time, this is enough. This is enough for this month. I cannot be in growth phase. I cannot bring on a new team member right now because I can't handle it. And this is this cap is not what my original goal was for the year, but because of the stage I was in life overall, it was okay. And there are still some times I look back at my numbers now and be like, oh, but I'm going to come in lower than last year. Oh, I've been on such this great growth thing. And then I remind myself that it was intentional this year. Maybe it's not what I was set out for in January, but I made intentional shifts throughout the year that landed me where, where I'm at today. I'm really glad you shared that because I think it's hard for people to, when you're like, just like you had the gut reaction, like, oh, because sometimes we think of our, our financial statements as report cards. Like we have been trained all our entire life. You get a report card at the end of each quarter. Now you get financial statements and they can feel like a report card. And so it's like, oh, do I want to see if I failed? Like, but there's no failure in business. And, and so we need to stop thinking of our numbers and our financial statements as a report card. It's really just a measure of what, what is working? What's not working? What do I have the opportunity to change and pivot? And that's why we recommend. So for every single one of our, our clients. So when we, when we work with our clients, they get, um, if they're on the monthly package, they get a monthly call with their bookkeeping team. If they're quarterly, they get a quarterly call. All of our tax clients get four calls per year. And that is really unique because we want to talk to our clients because we want to say mid-year, like at a mid-year check-in, what was your intention for the year? How has your spending, you know, um, has your spending matched your intention? Did it match your goal? Okay, now mid-year check-in, what do we want to do the back half of the year? Like, what are we going to be doing? And how do we make sure that our numbers align with those goals? Because we don't have to stick to something year round. That's why we want to meet with our clients so often. Yeah. It's like one of those things, um, you know, a few episodes back, we kind of talked, we talked a lot about performance reviews and everything. And it's like that yearly performance review doesn't work because so much changes throughout the year. Like I know when I was incorporated and we'd have to go and like evaluate people on goals that were set 10 months beforehand. And it's like, they didn't achieve the goal. And sometimes the employee would feel like they failed because they didn't achieve the goal. And I'd have to sit there and tell that employee, you had no ability to achieve that goal 
because what happened over the year was not what we thought was going to happen. But yeah, I know it's still here formally in the system. So we kind of have to talk about it a little bit. But now we're just adding in goal wasn't achieved because of whatever the reason was like there was this we didn't focus on this. Like the priorities changed, like the corporate priorities changed. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's tough. That's tough. Yes. Yeah. So it's kind of like the same thing. It's like your financial goals could change throughout the year and everything. So it's good to have those check-ins to be like, are we on the right track? What is going on? And especially like you mentioned your one client that was changing, like they wanted to change what was going on in their business so that way they could afford a house. That's not necessarily always a goal that you're going to have just in January. I set my goals for the year. This is going to be our goal for a year. And I have to wait till next January to have that goal. Like there could be something that happens in the middle of the year where you're like, I wasn't even thinking about this, but now it's a priority of mine. So you need that ability and to change your goals, to change your minds, and then have the support and guidance you need to now achieve those new goals. Can I, can I give you another story of a client who, who shifted? So we had a client who she, she was bringing on a second location. She was a a brick and mortar. She was bringing on a second location, but it was very purposeful because she wanted to offer a different revenue stream at the second location. So it was a growth opportunity uh, to bring on new revenue into her, into her business. And she was so excited. So she was um, bringing on facility costs. She was bringing on team members. Um, this was a big, big growth. And um, as she was working with us throughout the year, we were looking at her numbers and we were sending her the financial statements. And so we could see this was actually generating revenue. So this is the crazy part. If you're looking at revenue only, you wouldn't see the fact that revenue was growing, this the second location was growing but the amount of money that was being spent in the high facility costs and paying the team to to support this revenue we watched her debt payments increase we watched the financial statements i mean that revenue stream was not profitable and she made a decision in august to terminate it like she, she backed out and I was so proud of her. We had put it on kind of a watch in like May ish and we watched it for another quarter. And she said, I have to make a decision because if I keep on going the way that we're going, I might bankrupt my family. Like I'm going to have to invest money into the, into the business, or I'm just going to watch my company slowly like tear apart, but only because she was looking at her numbers. So she was only seeing this because she was watching that revenue stream lose money and the debt increase. And so it was very early September that she actually sent a cancellation letter to all of those clients and she terminated. And I was so proud of her for pivoting so quick and looking at the numbers and knowing when, like not letting ego lead the way and say, this isn't right. I see my numbers. I know what's not working and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to cut these losses here. Yeah. And I feel like sometimes that feels like such a hard decision. Like you're like, oh my gosh, my location's failing. So I'm failing. But even looking at, you know, on kind of like a bigger example of that same thing, look at Starbucks. Starbucks, like 
would go and sometimes you'd be in the cities or there'd be a Starbucks on this corner and a Starbucks right across the street. And as soon as traffic would start dying down, they'd close down one of them and keep the other one open. And Starbucks is still a very, well, who knows? I can't necessarily, they're a profitable company, but a very big organization. They're making lots of revenue. You know, you think of them really as this great, like kind of success in that market and industry. And they're not afraid to close locations when they're no longer producing the profit and everything that they need. If sales start to slip or it's more costly to keep it open than it is what they're earning, they close it down and keep their other locations open. Fabulous example. (laughs) That is a great example. So I love that you brought up, I know we're going back a little bit, kind of the four types of spenders. And that was actually one of the topics that I was hoping that we'd get into today is before I go into the next thing that I want to talk about today, is there anything about other things about those four types of spenders that you think would be valuable for our listeners to hear? Uh, well, yes. So our sp- understanding your money personality type really impacts how you run your business. I had no idea. Now, when I came out of corporate, I like I was a CFO. So to me, it was like, let's look at the data, make dis- business decisions. Like, guys, this is black and white. But I had worked for private equity firms, investors. So to me, they were black and white. They were, there wasn't as much emotion tied to the, to the business. What I realized as I owned a business was, wow, like my money mindset is impacting the way I make business decisions in my business. Now I, my family laughs at me because I, when I, when I took the quiz, um, I actually came out as a keeper. So we created a quiz. If anybody wants to take it, it's kickstartedcountyinc.com slash quiz. I came out as a keeper, which means I like to save my money and it's really hard for me to in, invest and in, in, in spend and spend a lot of money. Like I just naturally want to save, but I go on spells of free spending where like, I'm like, I don't care. I want this. We're doing it. And, and, and then I, I become a free, but it's like, I, t- I, I step into my free spender. Other people really are, they're free spenders. They do not want to look at their financial statements before they make a business decision. They want to be able to spend money. They want to be able to jump on the next course, the next business opportunity, um, do what their competitors are doing, hire the next team up. Like they are ready to make business decisions, quick start yesterday, and they're willing to spend to, to get there. Not necessarily, you know, there's a balance between the both, right? Our balance seeker is somebody who knows that they need help in their business. They can't do it all themselves. They need to hire people. They need to invest money, but they also have to have a responsible enough um, amount in, in savings. <clears throat> Our perfectionist obsess over every single dollar that comes in and out of their business. It is exhausting. So knowing which personality type you fall into allows you to say, okay, how am I approaching this business decision? Is is it is it creating a spending gap in my business? Like, am I, because I'm a keeper, I'm unwilling to spend in my business. Or I just say, I'm reinvesting. I'm like, reinvesting in what? They're like, I'm just leaving the cash there to be reinvested. <laughs> because there's a real cost to it. We are overspending in taxes. Like if we're not spending enough money, we're overspending in taxes. Um, if we're not willing to to hire a bookkeeper or a, a consultant, we're we're spending money in having inaccurate bookkeeping. We're spending money in our time learning strategies that we shouldn't be be learning. So there's just a real cost to not understanding your money mindset, personality type. 
Yes. I love that. Uh, probably right after we get off this conversation, I'm going to go take that quiz because <laughs> You know, there's part of me, it's like, oh, I feel like I fall on this. I feel like I fall on that. Like I have no idea right now where I fall and I'm sure it'll be probably a little, little surprising. Yeah. 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 Good. Yeah. Definitely go take that. All right. Well, let's jump into one of the main reasons that you're back on this podcast. Obviously you have so much great information to share, but you're actually one of our very early guests. Like I was looking back and you are episode 32 and here we are like well over 200 episodes. We're coming up on hitting that, that four year mark of the podcast. So thank you so much for being one of our early guests, but a lot has changed for you since you were on the podcast in terms of the structure of your business and your role within your business. So can you share a little bit about your journey since you were last on the podcast and how your role in your business has changed? Yeah, gosh, so much has happened since, since then. Um, you know, I talk about this journey from practitioner to CEO so passionately because I did it too right? Like I came into this business because I loved being a CFO for these mid-sized businesses. And I really wanted to bring everything that I had learned into entrepreneurship. I wanted to give small business owners, you know, making hundred, 200, $300,000. I wanted them to have access to the same financial information to be able to make the same business decisions as these big companies were making. At the time, it was really a lot of, of my time, my expert expertise. And so I had went on a journey to build out a framework and a set of training that I could use to grow my team. And so we now have about 25 team members, um, account managers, bookkeepers, CPAs, tax accounts who serve our clients all within our framework. So we have created this framework that we use for every single one of our, our, our clients. And it's been my journey of stepping out of the pieces of the business that I should not be in. Yeah. I can like, I don't know. I look at that and like, I, from my, like where I am right now, like I started my business even back, like, so when I was in corporate before I even left my corporate job, I knew I wanted to be CEO, whether it was of my own business or someone else's business, I wanted to be a CEO one day. And now I look at it and I'm just like, oh my gosh, I think it's going to be so scary to take that step out of, out of the client work. So like, kind of what, how was it for you? Oh, it is scary. And that's why we have so many SOPs and frameworks and um, we do regular training every single month for the, for the team because I wanted to make sure that everybody was doing it consistently and providing the same value to every single client. So my number one focus has changed. My job isn't to go on and do a kick-ass client call. My job is to train my team to go on and do a kick-ass client call. You know, so my role has really, really changed. Um, and I think it's important for us as business owners to know what our role, what we want our role to be. Because somebody listening to that might be like, that sounds awful, right? Like, I don't want to be a leader. I love being a practitioner. And so for you, you might need to hire a CEO or somebody to be a leader so that you can keep on doing what you love to do. I realized as I was growing and hiring team members that I was really passionate about training and teaching, which I'm I'm very surprised about. I did not I did not know nine, 10 years ago that this was going to be the, the the situation. But I love training people. And if I can train more of my employees, my team to, to do 
what we do, right? We empower business owners to make better business decisions, to grow their businesses. We have this like freaking fantastic impact on the economy. Like every single business owner that we touch, they are then going out and they are hiring team members and supporting their families. So we have this like amazing ripple effect in our business for every team member I have, we're able to help more clients. And for every client we're able to help, we're able to help more people have jobs, support their family and this small business entrepreneurship uh, world. Um, Also in teaching, I realized that um, I love to teach our clients too. So we created three courses um, over the last 18 months, which gives us an opportunity to work with our clients in a a very different way uh, because we realize that clients and entrepreneurs want to learn. We want to learn about ourselves, money, mindset, mastery. What about ourselves is holding us back in our business? Um, Our other course, Finance Framework. It's what you need to do, when you need to do it, how you need to do it. And we we give business owners the opportunity to, to learn. And that's just something I had no idea I was going to fall so deeply in love with. Yeah, yeah. I love that. Okay, so one of the questions I have. So obviously you mentioned that you had to step out. You had to teach your team members how to really be successful at those calls and the in the client calls and everything. At first, were you joining those calls with your team members? Oh, yes. 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 So um, over time, we created a training program. So now there is, I don't have to be on every single call anymore. Um, They are listening to example calls. They are going through a training program and we use member vault for our training program. Um, But at first, yes, like we needed to build that out. Like, what does that mean? So um, it was a lot of my time being on, on calls, reviewing QuickBooks, uh, creating value-added worksheets, um, you know, helping the team learn how to do that. Now I have a team of account managers who have really become experts in that. And so they can help me train other people. So now I have like octopus arms <laughs> where those team members can also train, but we've also, like, that's why I'm always preaching to people have SOPs. Uh, standard operating procedures, create training manuals. And we are constantly updating our training manual. So it is a quarterly rock uh, of ours to go in and update our training modules because we want to have up-to-date training. And I spend so, I mean, it's only 10 o'clock in the morning. I've actually already spent two hours recording training videos because we're revamping our training um, in the new year. And so that's a lot of my responsibility is making sure that those training videos are there. So I know it sounds like to somebody listening, like I don't want to be on every call or I don't, you know, I don't have time, but investing that time to build those team members was really the best way to multiple my time. Right, right. And you think about it, like you are on every call anyway, before you had the team members. So now <laughs> right. you're on the call with the team members. And then eventually you can step out of those calls and have your team members run it. So it is one of those things where, yes, it takes time to train up a team. So when you're looking at the time savings, it's not the time you're saving while you're training them because you're not saving time there. You're actually probably spending way more time. It's the after. It's the after they're trained. It's the after that where you get to spend your time elsewhere or sometimes at the beginning parts where you're building that team, you then get to go focus on other clients while they focus on their own clients. That way you have that additional revenue coming into the business. 
And that's what we did at first. So as we built out our account management team, I was able to have my own set of clients and then they had their set of clients and then we, they had team members who had their clients. So we really were able to multiply that out by having those additional team members. Um, I don't serve clients anymore. So if if anybody wanted to work with me, it is primarily through the podcast and then through our, our, our courses. And so that's really where I'm pouring my time and energy, but I'm talking nine years, guys. Like this isn't something we started yesterday. Was it overnight pulling off the bandaid? No, I hired my first employee one year in. So I have had team members for eight years. Yes. Yeah. So I, ha- uh, you kind of led into the next question that I have. So you're completely out of the client work now. At first you were doing some of it while your team members were doing some of it. How did you handle those early conversations of having to tell someone you're no longer working with me or working with this person, especially because in your business, hopefully you're keeping those clients for a long time. So they've been working with you for a while. And then as you went on, as you said, like some of the work you do is like going out and being on podcasts and giving in other ways. So people are familiar with you possibly coming to your business because they hear and they see you and then being told, well, you're not working with me. You're working with this person. Like, how did you handle those conversations and those situations? I think the best thing somebody told me um, when I was starting to go through this was you never say I ever again. Like the company isn't about you. It is we. We are doing this. We. So the website, not about me social media, not about me, right? You'll see my picture on there because I'm part of the team and I'm the host of the podcast or I'm on somebody else's podcast, but it's not about me. Kickstart. And we were very intentional even when we named the company because I didn't want it to be my name. It was somebody, you know, it was a company that was doing this. So we've been very intentional from, from, from day one, but if that's not your story, you can start doing things like saying we, and then building out a framework. Um, I read the book built to sell very early on in in my, in my business. Um, I was very drawn to this book because my background before was building companies to be sold. And so I was drawn to the book, but I had no idea the impact it was going to have on my, on my business. And in that book, they talk about how to create a framework for what you do. So for example, for us, every single one of our clients, regardless of size, you can be doing $75,000 a year in revenue or $750,000 in revenue. Every single one of our clients is set up with the same QuickBooks chart of accounts. And it is something that we have put so much time, thought, energy, and resource into creating that chart of account structure. And having that structure allows us to provide all of the other analysis that we will give to that client. So every client has that same structure. Then every client gets bookkeeping on a weekly basis. We reconcile everyone's accounts on a monthly basis. Every client gets what we call a snapshot. And it's this easy to read financial statement review. You don't have to go into QuickBooks. Like Our clients don't go into QuickBooks. Our clients don't... um, they don't have to read all the confusing Excel spreadsheets. They read the, the snapshot. And the snapshot is an easy to read high level overview of their numbers. And that's our product. Like that's what we give, give clients. So again, the client who's doing 75,000 is getting the same snapshot as somebody that's doing $750,000. And my team can really easily implement that over and over and over again. So when I'm talking, I am telling people about the framework that we've created 
the training processes that we've created. They're working with me in a uh, subconscious way. I don't know if that's the right word, but like in a third party way, right? They're still working with me because they're using my framework. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that. And if you think about it, like that's why your clients are working with you. It's that framework and what you are producing. And as long as your team can produce that, use that same framework, as long as your team can produce the same things and they're getting what they're paying for, you know, that might be a transition. It might sometimes be those conversations at first of like, okay, yep, you're not working with me. This is my team, especially those, those clients who had a transition off of you, you know, as long as you can get through that, they should be getting the same value. Yes. And one thing that I realized at one point is that I wasn't the best person to serve that client anymore. And that's like, that's ego. That's tough, man. Like, you know, what I would say to clients is I'm not the best person to work with you anymore. I don't have the same time, energy, and bandwidth to be able to give you. But you know who does? My team member, Sarah. Sarah is so much better than I am. And she is going to take care of you so much better than I can. And reassuring that client, like I am doing what's best for you. This isn't about me. This is about you. Like I want you to get the best service. And this team member has been trained and she can do it better than I can now. So I guess I just encourage you to think about that. Like, like at one point, are you really the best person? Like, I think there's a little bit of ego to let go of it, to say my team now is actually better qualified to help my clients. Yes. Yes. And really that's, that's how it should be. Like you should be building your team to be even better than you bringing on those people that, you know, we talk about building a team that have the strengths that you don't have. So you can really focus. And once again, as we talked about at the very beginning, staying in your lane. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're not, if you don't want to be the CEO of your business, like if, if, if that sounds terrible, like leading a team of people, I I had to really get real with that. You know what I mean? my job is leadership. And do I want, like, I'm not a natural born leader. I don't have a ton of leadership training like this. You know, I had to really learn that skill set. And so understanding what your strengths and weaknesses are and what you want your role and your to be, and then being really intentional. I am really intentional now that my job is to lead leaders. And so I go and regularly do training on how to lead leaders. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's so important. It's actually one of those things is if, if, uh, for those who are listening, go back to listen to episode 196 with Heather, where we talked, we really talked about how most people aren't natural born leaders and most people have to learn how to manage people and how to lead. And it's some of those training that's typically not done because it's all like, you're good at what you do. Now you should be good at leading it. And that's not always the case. So recognize if you're not the best people manager or leader and go out and get those skills, whether it's a coach or a consultant or going and taking courses or things like that to teach you how to best lead people within your business. Because even if you don't have a team, those leadership skills, even if, well, employees, even if you don't have employees, but those leadership skills still come out if you're working with contractors and freelancers, leadership skills kind of play a big part in your relationship with your clients and things like that. So their leadership and people management skills are things that very few people are actually born with. And we need to learn how to really enhance those skills or build them from the ground up. Absolutely. Um, I recently um, was talking to a uh, entrepreneur friend and she um, 
originally her degree was in communications and her business has literally nothing to do with it. I'm like, do you ever regret that? You know? Um, and I think some, a lot of us think about that. Like this was my career before this was my education before. And she said to me, no, because communications is something that we need for literally everything. I need it to communicate with you. I need to communicate with my, my partners. I need to use it to communicate with my, my family. So, um, being a better communicator is going to make you a better leader of contractors, employees, and of your clients. Yeah. Well, it's kind of very similar to my path. My major was communications. I had a double minor in advertising and marketing in college. I now help people hire people. You're a like, podcast host though. I'll argue yeah. that. So, <laughs> so it is one of those things where people are like, well, your, your business isn't in the area of your degree. But I said, yeah, but it put me on the path to get to the point where I can run this business. So it's like, all the dominoes had to line up and I got the jobs that I got when I was in corporate that then put me into leadership roles that then gave me some of the leaderships and ma management roles where I felt like, okay, I can now go out and run my own business and lead a team and gave me all the hiring skills that I didn't have like when I went out, when I initially went into corporate. So yeah, my business has nothing to do with my college like degree really right now, but it is. And then I also feel like, it does help out a lot when you're running your own business and you have to, at the very beginning and you can't hire somebody, you have to create a website and you're doing your own marketing. And I'm just like, I am definitely not the expert, but at least I know enough from my college degree. There you go. There you go. It just comes full circle. It's it's definitely it an does. entrepreneurship roller coaster. It does. All right, Danielle, I feel like we could talk all day, but we have to start wrapping up. So tell everybody how they can get in touch with you. Uh, go to kickstartaccountinginc.com slash gift. I have a few awesome downloads on there. Uh, you can link up to the podcast, Entrepreneur Money Stories. Uh, your episode will be airing as as well. So you can listen to your, your episode on Entrepreneur Money Stories. Um, we love working with uh, small business owners. So if you need help in your bookkeeping, your ta taxes, uh, go to kickstartaccountinginc.com and book a call. We are accepting new, new clients right now. Um, don't wait until tax season. Um, my mom always said, there's two things in life that we know for sure. We're going to pay taxes and die. And at the time I was always like, mom, Jesus, that's so morbid. But um, now as a, as a CPA, um, I, I just, I realized how true that is. And I'm, we cannot be surprised as business owners every year that when we come to tax time. And so I encourage every single one of you know your numbers throughout the year so you can better manage your business. So you can understand your tax liabilities and grow your team, right? Like yes. use your numbers to grow your team and to hire and to pay yourself. So um, you need a bookkeeping team that's going to send you accurate on-time financials throughout the year with an easy to read snapshot. Yes. Awesome. All right. And of course, that link will also be over in the show notes at growingyourteam.com. So make sure you go and go look it through everything Danielle and her team has to offer. All right. So my last question for you today that I love to ask all my guests, and of course, you've been asked this before, we've all had leaders or managers that have stood out to us. Think of a leader or manager that has stood out to you and share one thing about them. So I had a CEO um, that I that I worked for, and he used to say to me, I, I, I would get so frustrated when I would see him in his office reading the newspaper. Like he would, he would come in at nine o'clock and he'd read the newspaper and drink his coffee. And when I asked him about it, he said, I'm working. Like 
I'm not relaxing. I'm working. I'm educating myself. I need to understand what's going on in the world. Um, my job is to train myself to be able to um, lead you and the rest of the management team. And knowing Andy and having worked with him has allowed me to step into that CEO role. I don't have to be doing all day, every day. And I think it's really easy for us as practitioners to want to do all day. And sometimes it's okay to take the clarity break, to educate yourself, to take the time time away from, from the business and to think before we 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 speak. He used to, I mean, it was like almost awkward because you'd ask him a question and he'd, I'm like, oh my God, when is he going to talk again? And that he, but he was gathering his thoughts. And, and then when he spoke, he spoke with such clear authority and his thoughts were concise. And so you, you know, just pausing to know your thoughts and to be clear and concise with your team, your contractors, um, it, you know, anybody that you're, you're working with your family. So those were my two lessons from Andy. Awesome. Yeah. I love that. I love that. It's taking time on the clock to learn and better yourself and prepare yourself for the day. Cause I feel like too often we don't do that. Like I know a lot of people like scramble to read business books or whatever free time they have after, after like they finish working for the day or before bed. And I'm just like, well, if it's important, build it into the business day. If it's yep. for your business, it should be part of your work day. And I think it's the same as truly, you know, for, for team members, we so often I think we don't want our team members to be learning on the clock. And I think we need to balance that as what do we need them to learn in order to be better for us and allow them to do that on the clock or allow them, like you said, reading a newspaper to prepare themselves for the day so they can make the right decisions for their clients those days. Yeah. But it's a shift for us as we move into, into the leadership role is how do we conduct ourselves. And so that was something that I really stuck with me from, from, from Andy. And I think it taught me a lot about how to become a CEO. Yes. Yes. All right, Danielle, thank you so much for joining us again here on the growing your team podcast and anyone who's listening. If you love this episode, make sure you go back and listen to episode 32 for when Danielle first joined us and share so all the wisdom from uh, almost three and a half years ago that you came on and shared. Crazy. No judgment, guys. <laughs> <laughs> it was a great episode. So I loved okay. it. You're go Everyone's going to love it. All right. Oh. Thank you so much, Danielle. Thank you. Are you ready to hire a new team member for your business and you want to ensure you hire the person who can succeed in the role, make you happy, and positively impact your bottom line? Then let's talk and see how growing your team can help you master the art of hiring. Through bespoke hiring frameworks and comprehensive guidance, you will learn how to attract candidates who have the passion you desire and the skills needed to succeed. At Growing Your Team, women entrepreneurs and leaders work with us to help them expand their unique businesses by teaching them how to hire like a pro. Let's connect and see how we can help you. Send me an email at jamie at growingyourteam.com. That's jamie, J-A-M-I-E at growingyourteam.com or head on over to growingyourteam.com slash jumpstart with jumpstart being all one word 
and let's talk about how you can become a confident leader who hires right every single time.